Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. How's everything going? Great, great. Uh, this week was my first week back at Oklahoma City Ballet in some months, so it's great to be back. So nice, I'm sure. And back in person fully? Yes, we are in person. Uh, last year we were dancing, but we're split in pod. This year we're together, at least for now. So that's very exciting. Yeah, great. Well, my name is Autumn Klein. I am a soloist with the Oklahoma City Ballet. And I also make a lot of content online on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, coolest TikToks. Oh, thank I you. Honestly, I'm like over here trying to be all educational and then I yeah. see yours and it's like, oh my God, hers are so cool. You oh, thank cool. you. Thank you. So artistic. I appreciate that. It's a fun yeah. outlet. Yes, absolutely. It really lets us kind of have fun without any rules, you know, and like channel our creativity in a different type For of way. For sure. Yes. And it mm -hmm. lets you reach a much bigger audience than you ever would otherwise, which is great. Yeah. Absolutely. So Anna, why don't you tell us about your relationship with dance as you've grown through the years from your pre-professional days to where you're at now at Oklahoma City Ballet? So I have a little bit of an unconventional ballerina journey. I actually started as a competition jazz kid and I did that all the way up through high school. I graduated at 16 and was like, well, what am I going to do now? I don't want to go to LA and audition all the time. That sounds horrible to me. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to be a ballerina because that's easy, right? Uh, so I had this whole life shift. I went to the Houston Ballet Academy. I was there for three years. I was in the second company for two years. I would dance like 12 hours a day to catch up. It was a huge culture shift for me because, you know, in, in competition jazz, it's all about tricks and everybody's like yelling at you. Yes, queen, all the time. You get into the ballet studio, it's very calm and there's lots of rules it's very strict the expectations are totally different there's definitely a huge culture clash so from Houston I finished the second company I got into Texas Ballet Theater and I danced there for a couple of seasons before realizing I didn't I no longer like liked myself as a dancer so mm -hmm. I couldn't go into the studio and dance anymore because I spent so much time hating myself it became very toxic. So I went to school and I was going to be a chemist. I was double majoring in biochemistry and genetics. And before my last semester, I decided to audition for Oklahoma City Ballet. They offered me a chance to come and take the summer intensive because I hadn't been dancing really for years. I was not my best at that point, uh, but they saw something in me. So after the summer intensive, the artistic director offered me 
an apprenticeship and I've been here ever since. Wow. So just to back up a little bit, it sounds like, first of all, the uh, challenge of entering the ballet world at a later age, around 16, 17 years old, what was the biggest challenges at that point? You know, before you hit what sounded like a little bit of a burnout, what were the biggest challenges on entering that total shift of going from competition jazz dancer to bunhead? It was such a culture change in that I thought I was good. Like I was like, I have good technique. I'm super solid. I'm winning national competitions. And then I get into the ballet world and I realize, no, you're really far behind. Mm. Not only are you not good for your age, you're not good for people younger than you. So I really had to dig in and make up for that lost time. And the other thing was I had, I had no concept of line in the classical sense of the hyperextension and the feet and long limbs, all of that. I didn't get it. In fact, mm. I thought, why would anybody want to be hyperextended? It will just make turning harder because I came from a different world where that wasn't sure. something we talked about that much. So learning that maybe I didn't have as good of a facility as I thought I did was really hard. And that was a huge hit and took me some years to reach that peak burnout and then kind of step away and deal with it. So would you say the burnout that you experienced a couple of years later was a direct result of jumping into this very extreme world where you felt like you didn't necessarily, well, whether or not maybe you had the tools, you just, you had to change what you were working on, change your mindset. Um, like you said, not going from a place of thinking no hyperextension to now it's like, well, how can I utilize hyperextension, but, but also not fall into hyperextension, right? Like that right. dichotomy in yeah. LA. Would you say that all of that together caused this hurricane that led you to that burnout? Definitely. It was the, I couldn't handle the idea that my body wasn't good enough. And I felt mm -hmm. like that's what I was being told every day. I don't think that's exactly what my instructors were telling me. They were just trying to push me. But to me, it felt like I was being told by everybody in authority, you are not good enough and you never will be for three years. Do you feel like there was a level of your own perfectionism? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, because I struggle with perfectionism as well. Sometimes I wonder if, um, you know how you say they weren't necessarily saying these things so out loud or directly towards you, but whatever they were saying, you were internalizing it as one way. And I think our type A personality is don't necessarily help the cause, right? Of how, I whatever they're saying. Completely agree. Because you have the problem in ballet that it is so driven through fixing flaws and perfectionism and that it attracts people that naturally have those inclinations. And those are also the ones that become most successful. So it's sort of this trifold leading you down this kind of dangerous path. Yeah, we ask the question of, well, where does it turn where a dancer, like honestly myself, my perfectionism totally led to my downfall as a performer. You know what I mean? I could yeah. not see past my imperfections. I couldn't, in hindsight now, you know, uh, eight years out of performing, I can now see, ha had I wish I had known what I know now, that, you know, imperfections are what 
allow us to be artists, right? To a certain right. extent. Yeah. Um, but like when you're in the thick of it, it's, it's hard to see that, but it sounds like you led yourself to burnout, but then got back into the world again. So tell us about that. Tell us about, you know, the transition from going into the academic life and then coming back into dance life. For me, I kind of think of my exiting dance the first time as the best worst thing that happened to me because it was devastating. I had to completely relearn who I was without this thing I'd always been and pursue this other path I knew was there and had always kind of wondered about, you know, like the path not taken. And I went for it full force and I realized I did not like it. Working ah. in the lab every day, I was just super depressed. Like, Got it. There was just a time of the day that I called my crying time. I just cried that time of the day. And uh, one day I realized that's not healthy. My life does not need to be that way just because I've invested several years in this. I can go back to something else. And I think because I approached it from really a dark place coming back, it felt to me like a rebirth into dance. I started over again with that feeling of excitement just to perform and to be expressive and share myself. And for me, it kind of made all that body inadequacy stuff fall away and not be at the forefront. So I got to enjoy it. Sure, sure. And there's a lot of, as you're talking, there's a lot of parallels that I feel like I can relate to in the sense of leaving the dance world, going into this very science academic world. I'll say for me personally, I dove into that world, into the world of clinical nutrition, absolutely loved it. Um, couldn't get myself out of that world. It wasn't until years later now, you know, having began to the point nutrition and like what I do here, working with dancers that I was able to have that similar rebirth um, into the dance community. So I think I, I can relate to what you're saying. I think it's so interesting though, to hear about how you re-enter this world back into performance. That had to be a major challenge. So my next question to you, at what points, because there were various different points like along your training and along your career when did the question of food or did the question of food ever come into play in regards to how you were performing as a dancer or even like how you looked as a dancer oh definitely I went to Houston Ballet Academy it's extremely high pressure there mm. they're not at least when I was there they were not subtle about it uh, okay. so they did push us to be thin and smaller 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 all the time and I actually, I have celiac. Mm. Um, so I started having those symptoms when I was in ballet school, which did not make my life easier. And I lost a lot of weight and I was very tiny because I was very sick and I got mm. praised for it a lot. And for me, that was really, that was a moment when I was like, there's something really wrong here. And that contributed to me leaving. Uh, a lot of the reason why I left was because there were some negative things when I was yeah. about school. Yeah. Wow. Such a great point right here is that body comments so often, most often, we don't know the reason how a dancer gets to the way they look, right? Like whether that is a weight loss, whether that's a weight gain in your situation, you were sick uh, with, with celiac disease. You lost weight because of that, that weight loss being praised 
for someone who has a propensity towards an eating disorder could easily spark uh, a path of very severe, severe disordered eating, diagnosed eating disorder, or like you said, spark that burnout that or that first time that you had to take yourself out of the dance world. Um, so you bring up such a good point in regards to a, the way our body looks is not necessarily a reflection of whether it be healthy or unhealthy, good versus bad. Um, and very much what we unfortunately relate in the dance world to being this quote unquote ideal body type very much is so unattainable, so unrealistic for so many, unless you're getting sick. You know what I mean? That's how insane. Right. That's how insane yep. it is. It's crazy. I do think it's changing though. The company mm -hmm. I'm at, uh, I'm a more muscular dancer rather than like a long lean dancer. And I've never felt any kind of pressure at Oklahoma City Ballet to change that. And that's wonderful. I look around the room and there are other dancers who look like me, who are more muscular and strong looking women. And so that gives me hope. And it's also something I tell the young dancers, if you're in an environment where the company is telling you, you constantly need to change, maybe you need to change companies and find a place where you fit rather than trying to make yourself something you're not. This is the utmost truth right here for all the dancers listening is that your environment plays such a huge role. Autumn, I completely agree. Slowly but surely, we're moving at a glacial pace, but we're moving in the direction of becoming more open-armed to more diverse body types. And that being said, it's very dependent on the environment. If a dancer feels that they're in an environment that's not fostering a long-term career, as in you know, long-term sustainable habits around food or around your body, then they have to reassess. And a lot of dancers don't want to hear this, whether this is a company or even just like a little studio that you go to. Right. Definitely. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to change if we're comfortable going to a place, whether that environment is dangerous or not. I think a lot of dancers struggle with the idea of change. Um, and that's a huge barrier to, in my opinion, a lot of dancers or younger dancers eventual success or um, hope, um, just hoping that they don't reach burnout. Totally agree. If I had left the environment I was in that was, for me, really negative, I probably never would have stopped dancing because it is just, I love dancing, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm still doing it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. yeah, something I probably would have advised my younger self to do was get out of that environment that was really negative for me. It works for other yeah. people, but it wasn't great for me. Yeah. And what was the spark that really made you get out eventually? Well, just um, at TBT, they, they didn't rehire me from the company was going through some struggles. And mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to audition and go and try other places. But I was already at such a place where I didn't even want to come in and take class. I didn't want to mm -hmm. see my legs in shorts because they weren't hyperextended enough. Like, it was bad. Mm -hmm. um, so that was sort of like, I already wasn't happy. That happened. And I was like, nope, I'm out. It's done. Yeah, that was really brave of you, honestly, to make that decision and to say that, you know, the thoughts that you're having right now in this moment are obviously not helping you in this moment. And I think a lot of dancers can learn from that in regards to, I remember even with myself being in a specific studio that I was dancing in at the time and looking in the mirror and not necessarily looking at myself in regards to body, but just looking in the mirror and just feeling tired and exhausted and 
that was the point at which I knew I had to make a change. And I think a lot of dancers, again, are scared to potentially take that dive um, and make yeah. a change, especially for younger dancers, you know, who are relying on their parents and, and their access, whether that be financial access, time access, whatever it might be. So definitely uh, very brave of you to have taken that, made that shift and realized that another environment is going to be better for me. I needed to do that. And I think something that held me back from doing it sooner was I had this idea that if I left, I could never come back to ballet. And that obviously wasn't true for me. And I know so many people with stories like that. The principal dancer in some of the principal dancers in my company now in past, they took long breaks as well, three and four years, and then came back and were principal dancers. So it happened. And there's more avenues now to pursue a dance career than there ever have been. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, most often, I know this with my own self, taking those steps back, whether that be one step, two steps, four years of a step, is sometimes what you need to make those huge shifts forward in your career. Definitely, definitely. And I think, by the way, you are such a great example as well as dancers, um, feeling comfort knowing that they can go back to performing even after taking a significant amount of time. Cause like you said, that's a major fear for a lot of dancers, a lot of younger dancers, sure. this, you know, that fear of, am I going to lose it? Yeah. Even now with COVID, there's so many students that are scared to go back into in-person and yes, they, their technique is probably going to take a step back or stamina is definitely going to take a step back. You can work through it and you can find new things and push yourself in new ways. And there is a sense of accomplishment in coming back from anything like that. And that makes you a stronger person and a more vulnerable and valuable artist. For me, making videos, it uses my creativity in a deeper way than what I was using it as, as just a dancer. Um, and it made me realize I don't need people to give me steps. I can create the things I see in my head. And it actually makes me a better dancer too. It makes me more willing to use my imagination when I'm doing a role and take risks that I might've felt uncomfortable doing before I felt more secure in my own voice. Yes, absolutely. And it's just so great to have another outlet. So maybe if I have a show where I'm not happy about my casting or I'm feeling like I'm not doing that great, I can work on my videos and have this other thing that I'm proud of. And it's, it splits my definition of myself into more areas, which I think is healthy. Yes. Uh, multifaceted. That, that's, what, that's a word I always throw out there. I think I've used it in almost all of these interviews is just the importance of wearing multiple hats as a dancer and not just focusing on ourselves on stage and in class, but also where we can channel our creativity, whether that's making really awesome TikToks or whether that's studying an academic you know, for sure. academic path, there's so many different things that we can do. Um, and it brings depth to your artistry, just like you're explaining. 100%. It's very important. Something that I was trained was bad when I was younger, I was told to hyper focus on ballet. And I just think it's such the opposite. That's not as useful. Yes, 100%. I think I'm hoping that that mindset is eventually slowly on its way out. I agree with you. I think that was very much uh, encouraged, at least when I was a younger dancer as well. And it wasn't until my, you know, later years, and even now that I've realized that 
it's okay to have other hobbies that are not related to dance. And in fact, right. it's like cross training. You know what I mean? It, it, it helps us as dancers. It helps us you in have class. To cross train your mind, not just your body. Yes, exactly. So Autumn, COVID-19 obviously presented a ton of challenges for dancers. What would you say were some of the either challenges or maybe opportunities that did come out of this pandemic? Oh, well, the first was just taking class at home for six, seven months. That was a huge challenge for, I was lucky that we got to go back after six or seven months. But doing that daily, it was hard to find the motivation to keep digging in to take class over Zoom by yourself. Uh, but I'm proud of myself that I was still able to do that, to dance two to three hours every day. I think once I got into the rhythm, I, I just kept going and finding it for myself. I was able to work on specific technical details. And I actually had a lot of personal growth in the studio in the last season. And I think a lot of that comes from filming myself taking bar every day at home. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was one of the positive things. Uh, it was a huge challenge this last year that we weren't able to dance with all of our friends. We had to have our masks on. And mm -hmm. I'm a very facially expressive person. That's something I'm kind of known for. And that was taken away from me. So it pushed me, I think, artistically to be more expressive with my body. And so I think that is actually a positive thing that's happened. Yeah. So any pre-performance rituals that you have that you can tell us about? Yes. I like to go into my zone and some of my company member friends will make fun of me, but I like to put my headphones in, listen to my music and just like sit and go through all the emotional moments of my performance. So you'll just see me like sitting in the, on the side, making the faces, you know, looking all these different directions. It, it's sure. part of my process. I visualize and I put myself emotionally in it and then I feel really prepared and it takes some nerves out for me because I'm focusing on the expression instead of, oh, I have to hit that triple pirouette, you know? Um, yeah. And then I also love to listen to Queen. I've always mm. loved to do that since I was a kid. There's a Queen's Greatest Hits album that I listen to as my pump-up music in my dressing room, rocking out. That's awesome. And by the way, the visualization, oh, it's so helpful. It's so helpful for so many things in life. I think if we utilize this tool of visualization, it actually really helps to create circuits within our body in regards to, like you said, reducing the um, actual nerves that you can experience on stage because you're actually going through the movements or going through the emotions before even actually performing them. Yeah. I, I kind of found that for myself a few years ago and it really helped with the nerves. Visualization yeah. is key for me. Yeah. So Autumn, uh, the final question I ask this to everybody on Conversations with the Pros is how would you define what it means to be the healthy dancer? Mm. I would say the healthy dancer is the person who's dancing for the love of the art form and to share their personal vulnerability and expressiveness. And that is the focus. That's the reason you go to just become a greater artist every day. Love that. I love that. Just, you know, bringing it back to your artistry and your passion and stepping away from this idea of using it as a way to control your body type or control your food choices. Cause that just drives us away from that passion and, um, 
that love that we've had for this art form. And if you think about it, this is something I say to other younger dancers, the most impactful performances, at least that I've ever seen, I never came away thinking, oh, that girl had amazing line. Oh, that girl had the best body. It's when there's something about the performance that changes the way you think or feel in that moment and it resonates with you. And that's what's special. That's mm-hmm. what's special about dance. Yeah. And that's what makes dance an art versus just a sport, right? For Their sure. ability to transcend the audience. It's so important. Definitely. Well, Autumn, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This was wonderful. You've given us just absolutely incredible insights. Well, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yes. And we will be in touch. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye.